Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Alright, if you could turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. I want to read a couple of statements by a couple of different uh, biblical scholars, but then I want to tell you a little bit, maybe some uncomfortable details about my own life. Leon Morris wrote that Matthew starts this section of the gospel here with miracles of healings for three people who would all have been considered unlikely from the Jewish point of view. There's a leper who was unclean, a Gentile, and a woman. And they bring out something of the compassion and the wide sympathy of Jesus as well as His power. Michael Green would add that chapter 8 here opens with three miraculous healings of Jesus. The authority of God is manifest, not only in His preaching, but in His mighty deeds. And so the signs of the breaking in of the kingdom are plain. We just finished the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's interesting now that Jesus goes from teaching to healing. Now let me just share a little bit about my life. This passage of Scripture today talks about healing. And we pray for that all the time. When I was young, I was in high school, and I've shared a little bit about this before. My parents split up, and my junior year in high school, that was that was a an event for me. I wasn't expecting it. And so after that, so now I've got my dad over here, my mom over here, um, and I won't go into all the details surrounding why that happened, but my mother remarried, and within a short period of time, a very short period of time, the man she married died of cancer. I mean, like, a couple of years. Right after that, my mother died of cancer. And so I, I'm, I don't want to go into a lot of details, but suffice to say, there were a lot of unanswered questions in my mind. A lot of uh, doubt, a lot of wondering what in the world is going on. And you can try to make sense of things, you know, in your in your mind, just your earthly self, just your human side, you can try to say, well, maybe this has something to do with this or that or what, you know, whatever. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm 24 years old and my mother just died. And I am now two years older than she was when she died. And so now every birthday I have 
that comes to my mind. My mother didn't make it to this age. And so I wonder, you know, the anniversary's coming up uh, in a little more than a month, July the 8th. And that was, as I've said before, six weeks before I was to get married. So just a lot of stuff going on that year, 1996. And so I ask questions. Well, why didn't this happen? Uh, and I look up at the title to this sermon that I studied for, and it says, Our God Heals. Well, okay, well, what about my mom? How does that work? How am I supposed to process that? If I believe the Bible and I believe in who God is, and I, and I do, I believe His character, I believe everything about Him. I believe His Word is true. So how am I to respond to something like that where there's no earthly answer? What are we supposed to do? Well, unlike many other people who have gone through similar tragedies I've had almost 27 years to think about that and I still don't have an answer but the only answer I can come up with is uh, I, I go in here and I, I read this and I get as close as I can to Jesus and, and that's about the best answer I've come up with so, kind of with that in mind, uh, I'd like us to see if we can't read the Word here and, and get as close as we can to Jesus. Is that alright with y'all? Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. You see the words on the screen if you care to follow along there. When Jesus came down from the mountain, and remember, He was up on the mountain teaching, right? Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed Him. And a leper came to Him and bowed down before Him and said, Lord, if You are willing, You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately His leprosy was cleansed and Jesus said to him see that you tell no one but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them and when Jesus entered Capernaum a centurion came to him imploring him and saying Lord my servant is lying paralyzed at home fearfully tormented and Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. 
I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. And when Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, He Himself took up our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today that You will speak very clearly, help us to hear and understand. And God, whatever truth You show us today, I pray that You would give us strength to be obedient, help us to live according to Your Word. For the sake of Christ and His glory. Amen. Now, this passage might be somewhat familiar, but it might be a little confusing. I don't know. It was was kind of challenging for me this week, and I hope it won't be as challenging for you as we work through this. But there's three basic principles that I found in the Scripture as I studied it and as I read through it. And I don't think it's anything we don't already know, but maybe we just need to be reminded. Maybe we just need a refresher on how God works through different things and circumstances and means that He uses in our lives. I hope that will be helpful as we go through this text. The first thing that we see right off the bat is God heals according to His will. And this might be the most difficult one for us to understand. God heals according to His will. Now, if you look at the first four verses here, you see Jesus had just completed this thorough, comprehensive teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, which in Matthew's Gospel uh, takes up Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so we've just come through all of that. And He's coming down the mountain, and the Bible says that many crowds followed him so you know after he finishes all that teaching they're not just going to say okay that was nice and walk off they're going to kind of want to see all right well now what now what is he, what's he going to do what's he going to say maybe we should hang around and so they're following him and this leper approaches him and but notice he doesn't he doesn't request anything this is really unique to me uh, and, I, and I didn't see that right at first because I'm always thinking, okay, people come up to Jesus and say, please heal me. But look what he says. He doesn't say that. Verse 2, he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He's just stating facts. Right? He didn't say, Lord, please make me clean. He said, you can make me clean. You're, I'm recognizing, Jesus, that if you want to, you can do this. But he, he doesn't... Ask him to do it, right? At least it's not in the text. We can't assume 
He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, now let's look into that a little bit. Lepers, by definition, were unclean. Now, now let me let me go a little bit deeper into that. The word leprosy in in our time speaks of a very specific disease. In this time, not so much. Leprosy in this culture at this time could have covered several different things, skin ailments that were going on, okay? It could have been any number of things that were happening, but they were all uh, equally unclean in the eyes of the culture and especially the spiritual culture. Okay, so lepers weren't just unclean, they were excluded. They were outcast, they were avoided. They could not go about their normal life, okay? And and, and in the only way they could do that is if they were not just made clean or healed, then they had to get verification that they had been legitimately, genuinely healed, cleansed. Because, see, you can just say, all right, I'm better. Now, how often do we do that? Well, I was sick, but I'm, I'm going on back to work. Well, are you better? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. Are you, though? Not, not necessarily. Right, you're still contagious, but you just want to get on back to work or get on back to your routine or whatever. But but see, that's not you couldn't do that. You had to go and be examined and be be certified. All right, you are legitimately, genuinely healed. You can return to your normal life, which, by the way, included you can go back into the temple. That's important. So imagine that. You don't just have a sickness that's terrible and people don't like that. You can't go to church. Does this ring any bells for anybody? This was terrible. But this man comes up to Jesus and he's humble, he's respectful, he's unassuming, he doesn't ask, he just says, Lord, if you're willing... You can, you can fix this for me. I know you're able. Now the response is just amazing. Because Jesus doesn't just heal the man. Look at your Bible. In verse 3, it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. What do you never do to somebody who's got leprosy? You don't touch. Because two things. First of all, you don't want to get the, the sickness. Second of all, you don't want to be unclean and then you get excluded from all the activities in your life and the church and everything else. So you can't do that. That's why they avoided him. And Jesus doesn't even skip a beat. He just reaches out and touches the man. And look at what he says. You miss the amazing part of this when it comes to English. In Greek, it's only two words. Because the way the language works, just the verb in the language carries with it a simple sentence, like a noun. So the one word, fellow, I am willing. And then he says, katharistai. Cathartic healing. Be healed. 
be cleansed. He says, I am willing, be healed. Just like that. But he's got his hand on it. He, he's touching the one who is deemed unclean. And just like that, instant healing. So you know what Jesus just did? He didn't look at his appearance. He didn't size him up or qualify him or judge him about who he was or how he was treated by the culture or the society or the church. He reached out and touched the man and said, I'm willing, be healed. Done. You're cleansed. But that wasn't the end for what he had to do. Because look at verse 4. He says, go show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anybody. Now, this is kind of funny to me because can you imagine... Jesus comes down from the mountain after the Sermon on the Mount. Many crowds are following, and here comes this leper in the middle. It's kind of part in the Red Sea because nobody else wants to get close to him. Right? And he tells Jesus, I know you can do this if you're willing. And he reaches out and touches him. Everybody is, you can hear the collective gasp. And then he, he, all of a sudden he's healed. But then he says, don't tell anybody. Well, how are you going to not tell anybody when you did this just in front of a big crowd? Right? But you know Why? You know why he would say don't tell anybody? Do you know why a lot of people followed Jesus? I wonder if I can get something. Hey, he just, did you see that? He fed 5,000 people. Hey, let's, we might better hang around. We might get us a free meal. Might get some healing. You never can tell. What can I get from him? So Jesus said, don't tell anybody. Because that's not my main purpose. Yes, I'm going to heal you physically, but there are matters at hand that are far more crucial than your physical healing. What's going on in your heart? So Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Go show yourself to the priest. He says, offer the gift or the offering that is commanded by Moses as a testimony to them. What's the testimony? There's a man over here that has the power of God. And I think we probably need to go pay attention to what he has to say. His name is Jesus. He can change your life. The man was going to bear testimony by his actions rather than his words. Don't tell anybody. Just go offer the gift. Show yourself to the priest. Follow the cultural rules. Be cleansed in their eyes. You're healed, but, but show them so you can get back into church and get back to your life. So what was he bearing testimony to? See, Michael Green wrote this really interesting perspective. He said, a testimony to what in verse 4? To the fact that there's somebody greater than Moses that just showed up. To the fact that what the law couldn't do in cleansing leprosy or the disease of sin, the one who's going to fulfill the law is going to do that. You remember back in Matthew 5:17, just a few chapters before, when Jesus said, don't think I came to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law? Well, He's doing it. And He's not just talking about it. He's actually doing it. See, God heals according to His will rather than our will. There's always something greater at stake than just a person's physical health. And understand this. Understand this. Just because we don't understand everything about God's purposes doesn't mean that His ways are wrong. 
that make sense to you? Just because we don't get it. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? We may not understand. That doesn't mean that God's not right. The glory of Christ is always primary. God heals according to His will. Number two, God heals according to our faith. Now this is, uh, this is an also, also an interesting principle because this could be misunderstood. I've heard preachers... Hold on. Let me, uh, let me rephrase that. I've heard people on TV who call themselves preachers tell people in their viewing audience, Oh, you didn't get the healing you asked for? Well, you just must not have enough faith. Maybe you just don't believe enough. You know what that means? Let me, let me uh, translate that for you. One of two things. Either I'm telling you that your healing depends on you, or it depends on whether or not you sent me enough money to my ministry. That's just the facts. Because when Jesus heals... Yes, He heals according to our faith, but it's not independent of anything else. We have to believe. The Bible is very clear about that. And this gentleman, this centurion, who approached Jesus, verse 5 down to verse 13, and, and demonstrated his faith, this is a Gentile, first of all. He's a soldier. And again, look that he does not request healing. It's right there in the text. He just walks up to Jesus and says, Lord, my servant, literally my boy, my servant boy is lying paralyzed. You know what it really says? He's thrown down. He's thrown down at home, fearfully tormented. He didn't ask for healing. He just said what was going on. This is what's happening at my house. I need help. Look what Jesus says. Verse 7, I'll come and heal him. So right off the bat, he offers, right? But here's the response that doesn't make sense, but really does. The centurion says, I'm not worthy of that, okay? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm a Gentile. I'm a Gentile soldier. You don't need to come to my house. I'm, I'm not worthy of that. But, he says, let me tell you what I do understand, because I'm a soldier... I'm a centurion, I'm the backbone of this army, and I understand a chain of command. So I have men in authority over me, and I have men that I am in authority over beneath me. And let me tell you what I do understand. When I give an order, it gets done. I tell this, this one to go here, he goes. I tell this one to come over here, he comes. I tell this one to do this, he does it. I understand authority. And Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase, Jesus, I understand that your authority is something totally different. Your authority is more than anything I've ever imagined. And I know that you don't have to come to my house. All you have to do is say the word, and it's done. I believe in your word. I believe in who you are. I, be, I believe in your power. You don't have to physically be there to get it done. This man demonstrated faith. He was a Gentile. Did I mention that? He's not part of the chosen people of God. He's not a Jew. He's not in the nation of Israel. And yet, he's demonstrating his understanding of faith in a way 
that Jesus had not seen. Look what he says. Verse 10. Jesus marveled and said, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Now, he just made a statement to all those in the nation of Israel who happened to be following along in the many crowds that were following. He noticed faith in a Gentile soldier that he had not seen in Israel. Now, here's the, the really profound part. Look what Jesus says in verses 11 and 12. He makes a quick comparison. And he says... Many will come from east and west and recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. You know what he's talking about? Gentiles. He, he, he's looking forward to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 18. I'm going to the Gentiles. You judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. We had to speak it to you first, but you reject it. So guess what? We're going to the Gentiles. We're going to preach the gospel. And the Gentiles, by the way, threw a party. They were overjoyed that they were included. So Jesus sees that in the future and says many are coming from east and west and they're going to recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But, look at the next verse, verse 12. The sons of the kingdom, you know who that is? The nation of Israel. Those who are geographically close. Jesus is right there. And he says the sons of the kingdom are going to be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's describing an eternity separated from God. We call that hell. The Bible calls that hell. So let me, let me drill down into that just a second. Do you see what Jesus says in verses 11 and 12? How are you gonna how are you gonna make it to heaven? Are you good enough? I'm not. Go ahead and clear that up. Those who were geographically close, who were even called sons of the kingdom, were gonna be cast out. Why would they be cast out? What what does the gospel tell us? They were cast out because they did not acknowledge and surrender to and worship Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only form of forgiveness. Jesus is the Savior and Lord of all creation. There's no other way. You reject Jesus, you're going to hell. I can't be any more plain than that. You surrender to Jesus and ask for forgiveness of your sins and submit to Him, He will gladly, immediately save you and start you on a new path. Salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. That's, that's what the Gospel says. So, this is not just a description of what's happening here. This is not just a, a way to say to this centurion, I see your faith and I see your understanding. And so verse 13, go. It's going to be done for you as you have believed. And it says the boy was healed that very moment. Again, 
Just like with the leper, so with the centurion's servant. Instant healing. You see, God heals according to our faith and belief in Him. That doesn't mean that He only heals if we have enough faith. It just points us to God's Word in other places. The two that come to mind, Hebrews 11.6, Without faith is impossible to please Him, because the one who comes to Him has to believe that He exists. So, it says, He who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. And then also, in James chapter 1 and verse 6, and the verses that come right after that, it's talking about asking for wisdom, and God will give you know, generously to all who ask. But then it says, in verse 6, But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts... It's like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. God heals according to our faith, but, this is progressive, He also heals according to His will. See how this is kind of being put together? Okay, last one, number three. God heals according to His word. Now, now we're going to put all three of these together and, and hopefully we'll understand that the, it's the alignment of these things that we start to see God healing and working. God heals according to His Word. Verse 14, they make their way into Peter's home. Jesus sees Peter's mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. And again, Jesus is not asked to heal. He just heals. It's part of His nature, part of His purpose. He's not asked. It says He sees the problem. He sees the need. Do we see the needs around us? Do we see what people have going on? It says in verse 15, He touched her hand. The fever left her. She got up and began to serve. So, I want you to know something too about this. This whole section here, you can see a, 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 um, another uh, instance of these same events, like the related story in Mark's Gospel and in Luke's Gospel. And each one, they have the, the, all the central details are the same, but they each add their different you know, perspective. It's like three people standing at an intersection and they see a wreck from three different views, so they're going to bring out different things. It's the same events. Mark mentions about this, that they had just come from the synagogue, which would mean it's a Sabbath day, which is interesting, because Matthew's Gospel account is very concise in, in describing what Jesus does. Jesus sees Peter's mother-in-law, she's got a fever, and so... Luke calls it a great fever. Jesus touches her hand. She is immediately healed of her sickness. Again, all three of these healings. Instant healing. But then look what happens after that. And this starts to make sense when you look at all three gospel accounts. If it was indeed a Sabbath day, then in order for Jesus to do more uh, significant public healing, they have to wait till, till that evening, right? Till the Sabbath was complete. Right? So it says in verse 16, When evening came, 
they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. So you see, not only does God heal according to his word, he heals with his word. How did God create the universe? He spoke. There is power in the Word of God. Don't ever doubt the power of God's Word. Why do you think Gideon's put Bibles everywhere? Why do you think Gideon's put Bibles in hotel rooms? Because more times than you can count, there are testimonies of people who are alone in their hotel room and they, they're perplexed or upset about various things in their lives and they pull out that drawer and there's a Gideon Bible and they open it up and they start reading and the next thing you know, Jesus grabs a hold of their soul and they get saved. Why was Paul not ashamed of the gospel? Because it's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. God is healing according to His Word. And if that's not enough to show us that principle, if you look at the last verse in this paragraph, verse 17, Matthew reminds us of the Scripture I read at the beginning of the service. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, which is, this is Isaiah 53, 4. He Himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. So Jesus heals many others that evening. People who were demon-possessed, those who were ill. Leon Morris said about this, We can't say that all our sicknesses are due to personal sin, but we can say that sickness was not part of the original creation and that it will have no place in the final state of affairs. You want to talk about one of the many beautiful characteristics of heaven? Number one, you're with Jesus. That's what makes it heaven. But number two, no sickness, no illness, no pain, no death. Ultimate healing. Ultimate healing. So let me try to conclude these three principles here. God heals according to His will. He heals according to our faith. He heals according to His Word. And so, Jesus has come down from the mountain of teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. He's come down into, into real life, so to speak. You might call it the valley of the shadow where there's sickness, where there's demon possession but he's willing to carry the burden he's willing to address the needs burdens like pain and exclusion uncleanness defilement broken men and women because later on he's going to take that to the next level and he's going to bear our sin and take it to the cross but, but what did Jesus say 
Alright? And we're all in Matthew's Gospel. You think back for what we've already studied. Matthew chapter 4, and Jesus is going out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And He comes back from that. And before He gets to chapter 5 and He starts teaching, you know what the Bible says in Matthew 4.23? You know what Jesus did? Like His standard operating procedure? You know what He did? Let me, let me read it. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He was healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. That's what He did. Teaching, preaching, healing. That's what He did. So here's how we conclude. We pray for healing all the time. I've prayed for healing. I've prayed for healing that didn't happen. On more than one occasion. In fact, if you, if you attend our Wednesday night prayer meeting, we pray all the time. You know what? 80 or 90% of our prayer requests are? They deal with physical healing. That's the overwhelming majority. Now, we pray for people who are lost without Christ. We pray for people's salvation. We pray for missionaries. We pray for our leaders. We pray for churches. We pray for other things, but we pray primarily for physical issues, physical healing or those who have lost loved ones due to physical ailments. Right? That's what we're praying for. So, here's the, here's the question that ties all this together. What happens when God doesn't heal in the way we ask? What do we do with that? How do we process how God is working or what God is doing? Well, let me just say before I say this last statement... I don't have all the answers. That should have been abundantly clear by now. I don't have all the answers. God does. And I know that God heals. That's an indisputable fact. God heals. He, he's done it too many times to say that's not true. Doesn't mean He heals all the time. But He heals. And I know this. Anytime anybody gets healed... It's because God healed them. Okay? Now, He might use all kinds of different means. He might use doctors, nurses, medicine, hospitals, surgeons, whatever. But we have to see that through a biblical perspective. He might have used those things, but God did the healing. Right? We, we can't ever say, well, thank, thank God. For, oh, well, we can say this. Thank God for a doctor. Thank God. We can say that. And, and that's good. But we have to know in our hearts the source of all healing is God Almighty. That's the source of our healing. The challenge comes when physical healing doesn't come. That's when your heart starts to get a little twisted up and your mind starts to run down all these paths and you, you're asking all these questions and you don't know the answers. Because there are times when it's difficult to remember that God heals according to His will, according to His Word, according to our faith. It's hard to remember that sometimes. But here's one thing I've learned. 
when we talk about God healing according to His will and His Word and our faith, it's not A, B, or C. It's all of the above. It's all of the above. All those things work together. And it's when these three align, we can experience healing. The healing we passionately pray for. But here's the the bottom line. We have to have faith that God is willing and able to heal. We have to believe the inerrant, infallible, sufficient Word of God by which we live our lives. And we have to trust the good, acceptable, perfect will of God by which He is sovereignly governing the universe that He created. That passage in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where, where the Bible says that we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But you remember the last part of verse 2, though? What does that bring about? When we're transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we will be able to prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Y'all, we don't know every little detail of God's will. We don't know why He heals sometimes and He doesn't heal other times. But I do know this. God is able... He is almighty, and He heals, and He's good. I don't know why He didn't heal sometimes we just don't know. But God is good, and He can be trusted no matter what. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.